Help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome, everyone, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Rick the Snake Barrasso. And I, your co-host, Derek the Big Chamber Secrets Boski Rec Potter the Harry. I followed followed the whole thing. (laughs) Well, this is the podcast where we watch every single movie ever made, and we help figure out which is the greatest of them all. And we had a guest today. Is that uh, is that correct? Am I am I am I, I wrong? I I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right okay. in this in this instance. I think that we do have a guest. My lovely wife, Gia Smith. Gia, how is it going? It's going. I'm excited. Uh, Harry Potter is probably one of my favorite franchises of all time, and I'm very happy to talk about, oh, you know, it's probably not everybody's favorite, but it's, it's one of my favorites. Hey, you know what? It's a Harry Potter movie. Good, good enough for me. It's, it's, mm-hmm. There's a lot to dig into. I mean, I, I, it's, it's probably not my favorite series, but it's, it's one of the more interesting to talk about because there's so much going on um, mm-hmm. and you know, going right up to today with the, with the new movie in, uh, you know, in theaters, uh, with a, with a show running on Broadway, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's a lot to talk about with this franchise, and it's yeah, yeah it got some varying qualities in, in the movies, but we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, you know our thoughts on that uh, today. Of course, uh, we are kicking off the second annual sequel month. Yes, with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Last week, let's say here's some business first before we get into that, though. Last week, we talked Captain America, the first Avenger. And that was a, a great deep dive into uh, you know, the MCU and where it was at that point and what we thought about it then and now. Uh, so check that one out. Check out any of our library or on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use. And of course, if you enjoyed that one, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, you can always find us on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rick on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatest at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, our old schoolmate, our old ghost in a book, Bruce Wayne would say, <laughs> Tell your friends about us. But now start up that flying car. Ghost in a book. Yeah, he's a ghost in a book. All right, I'll take it. That's what he is to us. He's, you know, Bruce is our ghost in our book. Batman Riddle. Bruce Riddle. Bruce. Oh, the Riddler. Tom Riddler. Tom Tom Riddler. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. I like that. All 
All right. So uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is a 2002 children's fantasy movie directed by Chris Columbus. It stars Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, Rupert Gritton as Ron Weasley, Richard Harris uh, in his final performance as Dumbledore, Kenneth Branagh as Gilderoy Lockhart, and Jason Isaacs as Lucius Malfoy. It made $879.6 million on a $100 million budget. It's got a 7.4 in IMDb, an 82% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 63% on Metacritic. Ebert. Roger, he liked it. Four out of four. The first movie was the setup, and this one is the payoff. Oh, man, he's so smart. I mean, it's one line taken from one of his thousands of reviews. Fuck Ebert. Say it to his face. I will. I will dig up his corpse and say it to his face, and I'll be glad to do it. Okay, do it. I'm getting into some dark magic, I feel. <laughs> it's some dark magic. That's uh, that's two movies away, I think. Adrian Hennigan of BBC.com says, quote, the special effects here are what will have you reclining in your seat, admiring the spectacle. Unfortunately, the film's pedestrian pacing won't get you on the edge of it. Hmm. Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle. I accidentally put two negative ones. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but uh, Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle says, just as often as the film is as monotonous and despair-inducing as three hours on an airplane with nothing to read but the in-flight magazine. Wow, fuck you, Nicholas. No. <laughs> Mick LaSalle. Mick. M-I-C-K. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, if there's any Mick LaSalle's listening, we didn't mean it. Nicholas Flamel is the, the one the, from the, the, the character from the first movie that we don't see. I don't think we see him in the uh, the second uh, Fantastic Beast movie. Oh, well, yeah. all right. I For some that. reason, I, kind of, I, I, yeah, I, I got to go back and rewatch those. You're fine. Same. No, I I, I watched the um, I, I watched the two Fantastic Beast movies recently. I haven't seen the new one yet. We plan on seeing it at some point this week. Did um, it already come out? Yeah, it came out like two weeks ago. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So. When did you guys first see this one? Are you guys Potterheads from way back? Or, or did you pick it up later? Well, I saw the first... I, I, I must have seen it at the theaters. Yeah, I definitely did. Because I saw the first Harry Potter in the theaters. And yeah, I just thought it was, you know, it was the next one, you know. I wasn't like super duper overly like crazily impressed. But I thought it was very good. And I think it's because, you know, it was battling Lord of the Rings at the time. And Rings was my thing. But I did like it. I did think it was like the next step and I was excited to see where it goes. But yeah, um, I, I, I gradually enjoyed it as it went. And I ended up, ended up liking the Harry Potter series more as they got older. Because of course, the movies got darker. And as we all know, I like dark things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my journey into Harry Potter. All right, Gia. Um, I definitely was a fan from the very beginning. Like I remember I read books. I saw the first one when it came out with my mom and I remember like the second one going with like a group of like girlfriends from like church because that was the time period I was in um and just like I remember there was always like one scene in each of the movies that would really like scare the shit out of me like in the first one when they're in um when Harry's in the library and he opens up the book at night and that like face comes out and screams like there was there was always like that one scene where I was like as a, a little kid like oh my god um but yeah I loved this one I was obsessed I remember getting like the DVD set and like there was always like the special features and there was like games and stuff on it and I was 
obviously like the first one I was so obsessed like I already mastered all the games and I was just like I can't wait for the next one so it didn't disappoint for me obviously when I got older and the other movies came out and they got better and better you know you can see the flaws in it now but at the time I thought it was amazing yeah I I was uh definitely too fucking cool for Harry Potter in my mind Mm -hmm. at this point this was a kid's movie and I as a uh, 14 year old was way too (laughs) mature for it like I liked my fantasy in middle earth which was far more mature um so yeah I I mean I I didn't jump on the Potter train on the uh the 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 Hogwarts Express if you will until much later on uh so I had no concept of like what this movie was in regards to the story I I was so I, I saw it probably first I the first time I saw these movies I watched all of them probably within like a, like a week. Um, so like, I, it was like long since it's like this movie is 10 years old. That's how I first saw it um, at least, but yeah, so we're all coming at it from kind of slightly different directions here. So it should be interesting, but let's talk about what happens in the movie. So Derek, do you have a song? Have, have you picked out a song? We just count me down. Yeah, well, let, me, let me just count you down because I know we're going to talk about the music later. Um, but let's let's just do the countdown. All right. Three, two, one, go. Harry is back at Hogwarts and our heroes have two mysteries to solve. First, what is petrifying the students? Second, who is sabotaging Harry at seemingly every turn? They turn out to be connected. A plot created by Lucius Malfoy to unleash Voldemort's ghost that lives in a book who will unleash a basilisk from the Chamber of Secrets in Hogwarts. Malfoy's house elf Dobby is the one sabotaging Harry to discourage him from falling into the master's plot. Harry's able to kill the basilisk, stop Voldemort's diary ghost, and free Dobby. It's also a subplot with a doofus defense against the Darcy Arch Professor that really doesn't go anywhere. Thirty. Wow, we're on the dot. Yeah. While you were saying that, I I, I heard you because I'm I'm also instead of using a timer, I was just counting in my head. Yeah. And you said something about deal. Like, and then Dobby tries to stop Harry, and then he and then Harry kills the basilisk. But I thought you were you were I thought you were saying he kills the bastard, meaning <sighs> Dobby. So much better. And I was like, exact. I was like, wow, this is good storytelling. <laughs> I I know that I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but it sounds like you both are on the same page with the character yeah. Dobby. It sounds like. Well. We're going to, so th- there's going to be an extended Dobby and house elf conversation uh, okay. in this episode. So we will, we will get to that. Uh, and okay, actually but, but before yeah. I, I was just curious before we jump in, I assume all of us have done the Pottermore, which house we're in, right? Yes. Have we all done this? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Can, can we all reveal what we're in? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, okay, so Derek, you go. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, you. Rick, oh no, you I, I am. I am a. Uh, I am a Hufflepuff. <gasps> yeah, Hufflepuffs for life. Yep. Me too. All right, Derek. Well, I'm uh, every test I've taken, I have been a Slytherin. Yeah, that makes sense. That's not surprising. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I'm a good-hearted. Slytherin, so here's like. so here's here's the thing. As I've been as I've been told uh, by Jen, who is really the Harry Potter expert in my house, uh, mm-hmm. and in this movie as well. The tests mm-hmm. that I take, they're 50-50 Hufflepuff Gryffindor. I can see that. Um, but I choose, because here's the thing. Gryffindors and Harry specifically are jocks. Right. Like in high school, they are fucking jocks, right? Like what does Harry Potter think about all the time? Sports and girls. 
like in the book, that's all he thinks about. He's like, ah, oh, this guy's trying to kill me, but mostly sports and girls. Okay. Right? You know, Ravenclaws are the nerds. Slytherins are, sorry, Derek, like, the, you know, kind of like the shitty people in the, in the story. In the story. And Hufflepuffs Yay. are just kind of like, they're the stoners. Everybody like, they're else. The pe- yeah, the stoners. See, see I w- yeah, okay. So the way I kind of see it, though, like, it's very broad. Because, like, you look at Gryffindors, for instance, and, like, you can get somebody like Harry, for sure. But then you get somebody like Hermione, who completely left field. Yeah. She's not sports. She's not boys. So I know? think the three main characters are... So Hermione is boys. She changes how she looks to sure. get with Victor oh. Crumb. Um, but that's... A, she, oh, no, she literally gives crazy. herself cosmetic surgery in the books. <laughs> um, well, she did that for herself. Okay, no, I mean, she did somebody... it to fuck Victor Crumb. Um, <laughs> but I, mean, I, again, what, I just, I just okay. want to say this out loud. And this is kind of breaking up what you guys are saying. There are two people I can think of who are also Slytherins, and it has to do with wrestling: Edge and Chris Jericho. I'm going to give you an, definitely Slytherins. Oh yeah, and, and I'm going to give you another wrestler say, who's a Slytherin. Hulk I love Hogan. that they did this. Hogan, you think Hogan's Hulk a Slytherin? Hogan too dumb? Is a Slytherin. I, think, I think Hogan. I think Hogan's too dumb to be a Slytherin. Person. No, no, no. Because Slytherin's all about ambition. Because like Crab and Goyle are morons. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. the Edge is the ultimate opportunist. You know what I mean? That's why I think yeah. that oh, yeah. Slytherins the, are just like opportunists. Certainly. certainly. Um, yeah. Which is funny because those are two of my favorite wrestlers. <laughs> Jericho and Edge. Yeah, true. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, that's so. Well, funny. here's the thing, and, Jericho. Like, Kinda has to be a Gryffindor because his nickname is Lionheart. Well, he gave he it to himself. Have to do shit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so so here's here's what I think: the three main characters, yes, they're Gryffindors, but they also represent each house. Like Hermione is a Ravenclaw because she's super yeah. smart. Harry's a Slytherin mm-hmm. because he right. is, you know, he's uh, he, he has the Voldemort snake in his head. You know, he has he has Voldemort in him, and and uh, Ron is just kind of like you know, lovable doofus. He's a, he's a, he's a Hufflepuff. So they're all kind of like different. And like the whole concept of houses are dumb. Derek, were you still, did you catch the year of it in the middle school that we went to? Where they, they did houses? Yeah. yeah, Thunderbirds. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, that, that was the teams. That was the teams. And oh, houses. they did houses when you may have missed it. I don't know. Cause you're, I thought they did it for two years. Maybe they only did it for one. Where they took a team from, so you know the teacher who was, I think, I don't know if she's still on this this school board. Um, uh, no, uh, not, not so. Okay, head. well, th- this this woman became uh, vice principal, and was like a team from the sixth grade, the seventh grade, and the eighth grade. They're now a house. Oh, um, yeah, maybe I did remember that then because I think. Uh... I think I think so. I think maybe my yeah. last year I remember that. And it was like hilariously bad because they were like, "All right, now uh, you're you know, like if you're on a team, like you're only gonna go if you're on this team in the sixth grade. You're definitely gonna be on this team in the seventh grade. You're gonna be in the same house and you have classes okay. with all the same people." And everyone was like, "Fuck you!" And it lasted maybe two years, and it got wow. like, it got shut down. So that was that That's was fine. attempted, and yeah. But anyway, let's uh, let's let's get to the actual episode here. Uh, let's talk about our favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, top three favorite scenes, uh, as we do each week. Gia, what is your number three favorite scene? 
Uh, so my number three favorite scene would probably be the scene where uh, the Weasleys help Harry break out of a Dursley Manor. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's so much that already happened at the beginning. We meet Dobby. Um, we notice that Harry has a new room. We know that um, he hasn't heard from Harry. I mean, he hasn't heard from Ron or Hermione all summer. So he's been freaking out, like, what the hell is happening? Um, but nothing feels better in that moment when seeing, you know, Ron at your window and being like, we're breaking you out, bitch. Like, come on, like, get grab your grab your trunk. Uh, you know, and then he finds out all along, like, dude, we've been trying to reach out to you. Like, so it's just that whole, you know, we're bringing the whole friendship back, you know, we're excited to see now, uh, not only all of the Weasleys, but their house. Um, so that's always fun. But yeah, that's my number three. All right. Yep. Always good to, to, especially in these early movies, it's very like structured as to like, Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, we have the scene at the Dursleys and we have a Christmas scene and then we have this yep. and then we have that. And I, I like when the, the, you know, and usually never the two shall meet, but I like when like two kind of cross over and like the, the, the Weasleys like show up and, and like interact with the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a scene which I think is unfortunately cut from the, the next movie where the, the Weasleys like show up to pick Harry up and bring him to the, or no, it's not the next movie. It's the, it's the following movie. It's a Goblet of Fire in the book where like the Weasleys accidentally like blow a hole in the Dursley's wall. Yes. Yes. Which I wish that, that I wish that was in there. Especially because that movie is on the shorter side. This one's like three hours long. It's the longest movie and it's, it's bizarre that it is. Uh, Derek, what's your number three scene? My number three is actually the same as Gia's surprisingly. Um, we did not do this together. <laughs> um, I love the car sequence with, with Ron and, and Harry. And I think it's a good move because Chris Columbus is probably thinking in his head, like, you know, this, this, the story matter in the book is not the most exciting of, of, of the, the, the books and stuff. So maybe he was like, let's, you know, well, I mean, he's just following the book too. So, yeah. but I think that the, the car sequence is a very exciting thing that happens early in the movie. Um, you know, Ron comes and saves Harry. And I think this scene is really exciting. Cause like the, you know, the trains right behind them and it gives you like that, like, especially in the theater when you're watching it on a big screen, like the trains behind the car, the cars gets away. And like they, it's very chaotic. They, you know, the, the car goes into like the, the, the tree and stuff. But I think what the scene does the best is that this really cements for me, Ron's loyalty to Harry and his friendship because he goes, you know, completely out of his way to, and, and, and very dangerous might I add for, for Ron to go and do this, to, to save Harry and stuff. So I think, uh, I think it's a really cool scene to cement their friendship. And obviously we know that Harry would do the same for Ron, but it's good to see that on screen. Like, okay, these guys are in it for the long haul. And They're Fred and George as well. Shout out to the yeah. twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so my number three scene is different. It is actually the scene where Harry tricks Lucius Malfoy into freeing Dobby. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Because this, this always kind of like has me raise an eyebrow. Lucius Malfoy attempts to murder Harry Potter. 10 feet from where Dumbledore was sitting. Right? Like, yeah. So, yeah, this, this is, this is, this is part of my, uh, let's play this out. Let's play this yeah. out. Cause it's just so intriguing. Like, what if he succeeded? So, we know that the diary ends up being a Horcrux and also Harry is a Horcrux. Imagine if Lucius Malfoy did fucking 
kill like use that curse on Harry Potter and it didn't kill him and it killed the Horcrux and Lucius Malfoy was responsible for the death of two Horcruxes in like a day uh, well <laughs> crazy well, I, yes I, I, for I, sure I, I, but I was, just, yeah, I was gonna say like Voldemort I mean as far as he's concerned he doesn't fucking care he's not even like really a being at this point well here that's another question I have about this is let's say that Voldemort's you know diary ghost plan succeeded in this does like the ghost then become like a real person does he become the real Voldemort this is like uh this is like Star Trek Next Generation when Moriarty comes out of the holodeck yeah right is is he young or does like somewhere in the woods of Romania where the hell is is like like the actual Voldemort just be like I'm good now what happened I mean I'm assuming I'm assuming that it would just I mean because it's kind of weird like what uh, Voldemort's just like a teenager again yeah but then there's like the actual Voldemort is still out there like what if he shows up and there's younger him creates is, two Voldemorts yeah I don't think so I think it's just yeah I don't I don't think that he will the memory itself will become a reality that's not you know I think it's just there to kind of give information and then I also think J.K. Rowling did not think that far ahead. So we're gonna get we're gonna talk about J.K. Rowling. Don't yeah, you worry. Yeah, there's a well. Okay. Don't <laughs> you worry. We're gonna have a J.K. Uh, J.K. segment here. But let's get to uh, let's get to number two scenes. Uh, Gia, what is your number two favorite scene? Um. All right. So it it was. I will say this. It was really hard to just cement down, like because a lot of things coincide with one another. So. Another just one of my favorite scenes was um, Gilderoy Lockhart. Like, I just loved the majority of all of the scenes, but I I loved how at the very end, like, we see him exactly for who he is. Um, I loved when, like, his curse backfired on him, and then all of a sudden he was just like, oh, what, 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 this is all, like, magic. Like, it was just such a fun... (laughs) Uh, but then, but just that whole ending scene, including the, you know, the basilisk fight then you know, um, uh, saving Ginny and leaving and everything. I thought that was just, uh, that's one of so my favorites. Are, are you saying, so that whole entire segment beginning with. This, with the Lockhart. segment in the chamber, the segment in the chamber. Yeah. At the end. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I was, I was just to add on to what you're saying. I think that uh, one of the things that is not discussed very often is that. Kenneth Branagh is excellent in this role. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, I thought he he's a great, great, job. great, great actor. And I think he's, that he's, yeah. he, he's not noticed as much because he does, he, you know, he directed Thor. He, yeah. I would say if, if anyone listening right now wants to watch a really great performance by Kenneth Branagh, go watch him in Othello when he plays Iago. He mm. is a treacherous scumbag piece of shit. Probably the worst villain ever written. <laughs> I like him as an actor a lot. I don't think he's quite right for this part. Really? I, I don't I don't buy that like Hermione has a crush on this man. I mean, I honestly I you would be surprised though. I think that I was, I was gonna say like my I mean, right, I was saying like I know several like you, Gia, my sister had crushes on Tim Curry. That's kind of also sure, very like ev- odd. every sure, everyone every like major celebrity is gonna like even if it's like not traditionally attractive people are going to have people that, that, that like them, but the Gilroy Lockhart is portrayed as like every woman wants him. 
like from well, her, also, from Hermione, his, uh... from Hermione, who's like a little girl, to Molly Weasley, or like they're into this dude. Well, I think it also has to do with the fact that he's super confident and he has that personality and, and, and the fact that well, charming and, and like charm. Was... And we'll talk about it more in recasting. We'll talk about it more in recasting. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, 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 that's 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 just my take. But maybe wizards have a different, uh, you know, who's an attractive wizard? I don't know. Maybe it's a different societal uh, societal thing. Um, mm-hmm. Derek, what is your uh, what's your number two scene? Uh, the scene where Harry and Ron become Crab and Goyle easily. Um, major, major, major props to the actors who play Crab and Goyle. They have to like pretend to be Harry and Ron, and it must have been so much fun to do that scene. And it's hilarious. Everything about it is great. Like that's the scene that I just want to keep going back and watching because it's, it, uh, you know, one thing the Harry Potter movies do really well is comedy. Like the humor in the movies are usually yeah. not really cheesy. It's just good. It's good. Good. Especially humor. these earlier and, ones. I think I think Chris Columbus does know how to strike that tone. Whereas... Yeah, definitely. And and I think one of the best moments, and this is kind of going into my miscellaneous as well, is. Crab and Goyle are talking to Draco and Draco kind of feels like you guys are acting different. And at one point, one of them is like, oh yeah, I, I had to read something. And then they were just like, Draco mm-hmm. in real life ad-libbed this line because he forgot his own. And he was just like, I didn't know you, I didn't know you know how to read. <laughs> um, and I think that's just for, for, for somebody his age, like an actor, like brilliant, like uh, improv line there that works really, mm-hmm. really well. But that, that whole sequence is just a joy to watch. So that's my number two. All right. Uh, my number two is the dueling club scene, and this is this is where I think Kenneth Branagh does great work as as Lockhart and just being like a, a doofus. Um, and the other thing is like Alan Rickman doesn't get a ton to do in this one compared to you know, a lot of the other movies, uh, mm-hmm. but his like thinly veiled disdain of Lockhart is so great. Where it's just like everything he does, he's just like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And then you get like the, you know, the Draco and Harry kind of going, you know, face to face for the, you know, the, the first time or the, you know, head to head, you know, in competition, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a dueling competition. Uh, then you get the stuff with the snake. Like, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a very cool, fun scene. So let's go to number one, Gia. What's your number um, one? Yeah, so like I said before, like there is there was just so many to choose from, and like a couple of them made like my, like runner ups. Like I really wanted to say like the scene where Ron stands up for Hermione and after being called a mudblood, or um, I real I also love the scene of uh, both Ron and Harry in the dark forest with the spiders because I just I think Ron is hysterical in that scene. Um, but the one that I went for was. It's kind of a twofer. I know I'm I'm cheating, but I whatever. Um, and it's both with uh, Lucius Malfoy. It's the meeting of him for the first time, just because we can now kind of see where uh, Draco kind of gets his attitude from, and and like the first thing you literally see of him, like uh, you see Draco, he's going to grab something, and his dad just comes and smacks him in the hand with his freaking like. Uh, staff whatever and then he's like don't touch Draco like just like and then he's just you know what I mean like you think Draco's a piece of shit but then he's like this is his home life how shitty is it for him um and then also the freeing of Dobby too because 
you know, Harry has these great moments in both of those scenes where uh, at the very beginning where he kind of like has, he gives him a dig. And then at the end where, you know, he's like, well, then we should all be very lucky if Harry's there to always save the day. And he's like, don't worry, I will be. And that was an ad lib from uh, Daniel Radcliffe as well. So yeah, that was like right, right. pretty awesome. So that's what I went for my number one. Ha- Harry is, de- I mean, with, with, without, without being a Horcrux, Harry is definitely a Gryffindor. Like he is so brave. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, yeah. Uh, are you guys familiar with the, uh, the Cursed Child, the story? Yeah, I read the book. Uh, I will say I though heard, that like heard, it's been a while. I just while. heard about it from Gia. Yeah, I didn't read it, but so I, it's I been a while, a, and there's some that I forget. So I th- I think that's very interesting as to to you know the the evolution of Draco as a character and like what he would be once he gets like once he frees himself from the influence of his father and like becomes less shitty over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yep. it, it really is just kind of like the cycle of abuse and you know, how, you know, our families tend to, to shape us in some ways. So it's kind of interesting. Definitely. Derek, what is your number one favorite scene in Chamber of Secrets? Um, so I, my number one, I guess, would be the the whole sequence at the end with Riddle and the Basilisk. Um, I think that it's kind of like the, the, the big climax you're waiting for throughout the movie. And I really like uh, specifically, obviously, the fight between Harry and the Basilisk itself is very, very exciting and it's well filmed. Um, the CGI Basilisk is, is actually pretty cool. Um, but the, the specific scene that I really liked was when Riddle and Harry are talking and, and you know, um, Riddle it reveals who he is, yeah. you know, and then the, the, he does the, the fiery letters out, out with his wand. And it's like, Tom Riddle, I am Lord Voldemort. Like that, that whole thing is, is really, really cool. Or Tom Marvolo Riddle, I should say. I am Lord Voldemort. I, I, funny enough, I always wondered if, like, I'm like, I wonder if one day Tom was like, okay, I'm going to be an evil wizard. I know this. Yeah. Let me see if I can, like, <laughs> screw around with, with the letters of my name and see if I can come up with something cool. Like, he's in, he has, like, notebooks and he just keeps writing until he figures it out. I literally thought the um, same thing when I was younger and I was watching this and I was like, that's kind of a lot to do, man. Oh, yeah. That would be no. a funny, like, that would be, like, a funny, like, SNL sketch. He, Voldemort <laughs> is a giant fucking tool bag. Like let's he he uh like he gives himself well, he the fucking to frame like the, Hagrid too. Yeah, well it, not even that, but like yeah, yes, he's evil, yes, he does terrible things, but he's also like a giant nerd. Cause he's like, I'm gonna give myself an awesome badass name. You know, I'm gonna like no in fact so badass, nobody can say it. That's how fucking cool my name is. Nobody can say my name or else I'll know it. And then he like right. applies for a job as a teacher and he doesn't get it. And he's like, I'm going to fucking curse the whole position. Like, <laughs> I'm going to fu- like, fuck, yeah, fuck you guys. I'm the cool one. Uh, yeah, he's Voldemort. Fucking. Yeah. Well, his yeah. whole and, backstory and- has a lot to do with why he's so dark. He was born out of uh, a spell that, you, you, yeah. That, so his mother was a witch and basically put a cast a spell on the man she was in love with who didn't love her. And uh, they ended up having a baby from that, but he never truly loved her. And so I think she ended up killing herself. So that's so, kind of where his darkness started. I'm going to make an observation. So, so, I'm going to make an both observation. Orphans, basically him and Harry are both, are both orphans. Okay. This leads into my observation. Right. So Voldemort is mm-hmm. he's an orphan and he's put into 
a like a like a place where he does not feel love and he becomes an evil wizard right mm-hmm. and like he becomes the shittiest wizard of all time like the worst guy rewind back to fantastic beasts right in the timeline primarily it's about this character credence who is like separated from his family and put in the shitty foster home and he becomes like turns extremely like a horrible life and becomes like a, a dangerous wizard so now we jump ahead in the timeline to harry harry potter's parents are killed and dumbledore's plan is to take this baby this magical baby and put him in a home where he is unloved. Well, I don't think it was initially, I don't think initially he, well, hold on. Cause I know that back in the day when uh, Lily Potter, Harry's mom first got accepted into Hogwarts that uh, Aunt Petunia also wrote a letter to Albus Dumbledore asking to please also be, to be able to come as well. But he wrote back saying that obviously she couldn't because she wasn't of magic. And so, I guess in some way that, you know, Albus should have known better that this might not have been the best. And even McGonagall clearly says at the very beginning, like, dude, like this isn't, I've, I've been watching them all day. They're not cool people. And he's like, yeah, yeah right, right, right off the bat. Right off that's, the bat. That's like, true. Like, no. well, I, I think but, we can agree though, by the end of the series, we all kind of know that like Dumbledore is a sketchy guy. Yeah. True. But then he also does say that like it was basically to keep him out of danger of being in the magical world and there really isn't any well, I mean, I don't know. It's, well, it's very hard I mean Dumble Dumbledore's not gonna be his dad. You know what I mean? So he's like, Well, the next of kin is the best I can do right now. Yeah, no, definitely Dumbledore does some shit that I'm that I'm not happy about. Uh I will say that there is a a, a very cute moment that I can think uh Richard Harris for and uh, this this was his last film to play uh, Dumbledore before he passed away and uh, I remember in that Harry Potter um, thing that just came out this past New Year's uh, the reunion um, it was a conversation between Daniel Radcliffe and Gary Oldman and uh, they were recounting about how on this film when um, Richard Harris saw Fox the um, phoenix for the first time he literally thought it was an actual bird and he was like aren't they aren't they magnificent like and they were just <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they didn't want to ruin it for him to be like they were, they were just like yeah i know right <laughs> like it was just like an animatronic bird and he's just like isn't it lovely <laughs> so, um, right. but yeah so, yeah, no, yes, and, I know. Shady Albus Dumbledore but it's also really again this is this is now two movies in a row where basically Dumbledore knew what was going on the whole time. Is like, let's let the kids handle it. Like he he could have put a stop to that yeah. shit at any point, and he was just like, no, no, the like, Bill's character. Happens, happens. Uh, yeah. So that I mean, that's my uh, to, to go back. My favorite scene as well is the the climax. All the, you know, the stuff with the basilisk with Tom Riddle, everything in the Chamber of Secrets once it's open. And, and before moving on, Rick, real quick, it's just yeah. it's funny to me that I think that like both wizards and both series both Gandalf and Dumbledore leave a, a tremendous task up to somebody who really shouldn't be doing it <laughs> right That's a good point <laughs> right now now Gandalf though has a strategic reason to do that 
like, but Dumbledore is just like, yeah, we'll let the kids figure it. Like, I, I feel like so Gandalf's <laughs> whole thing is like, well, I can't take the ring because I would. What about the Eagles? The Eagles would take the rings for themselves, and they'd become extremely powerful. And, and no, they, I mean, why couldn't why couldn't they just ride the Eagles from the very beginning? Because the Eagles would have been spotted, and also the Eagles could have taken the rings for themselves. The Eagles are sentient beings. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, he wanted this few. I'm, this is this was yeah. a joke from uh, whitest kids you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a joke for everything. There's yeah. always something like that. Right? But yeah, no, I Eagles, know. I just remember the Eagles. Uh... The Eagles taking the ring and being evil is terrifying to think about. Yeah, because there's a lot of them, and you really can't stop them. <laughs> yeah, they just start fucking picking off like everyone from the sky. Um, no, but the, the whole thing is like Gandalf, like to destroy the ring. Like I can't take it because I would. It would be too tempting for me like it would twist my desires into something terrible uh can't give it to you know like all the elves are leaving they're not going to take it uh can't trust the dwarves certainly can't trust men we need to like basically create a huge distraction and then frodo sneaks in dumbledore is like harry when he asks him in this like harry do you like you're sure there's nothing you want to tell me you can't tell me he doesn't know that Harry's hearing the snake speak. He like at the he's end of the movie, he's a like, lot. he already oh. knows. Yeah. Well, he absolutely knows. He's all like, even at the end, he's like, yes, I think Voldemort put him a little bit of himself into you. Like, hmm. I don't know. I th- I feel like Dumbledore is just like, let's hope this works. Whereas Gandalf is like, this is my one option. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Whereas like, I think he Dumbledore pretty easily could have like cleared up the, the basilisk basilisks the basilisk situation but he chooses not to um Mm. so let's get the least favorite parts gia what do you have what's your least favorite part about this movie so i mean i didn't really have a a least favorite i guess uh i i would say that as far as the entire franchise goes i just feel like this is everybody's kind of least favorite so i guess that is what my least favorite is like you know what I mean like this is like their real first like awkward first like first awkward phase like I feel like this was the first one the next one I feel like they kind of started getting like their footing a bit things were getting a little bit cooler then Goblet of Fire they had that weird again awkward phase where like relationships were starting uh, there's gonna be a dance uh but this was like the first real awkward that like their voices are changing um prepubescent yeah like it's just Hermione like you can tell she feels so uncomfortable in her own skin she's just like I don't know how to be a girl at the same time though just 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 to flip that coin as much as as that was happening I think that um, Emma Watson specifically in this movie I think she really starts to become out of the three in this movie you could see like okay she's going to be great in the future yeah. Like she she's a great actress here and like she plays oh, yeah. awkward very well and you can see all the emotions in her face. Like she does a great job. For sure. Yeah, especially and compared I think the third to the, one. Yeah. I mean, especially compared one, compare yeah. her performance in this one to the first movie, where she has like a few moments where she's like, you can see her being like, Is this my line? Um, right. Well, and that's why I liked how the the way that they set up the first three films in particular, because in the first one, obviously, it's the introduction to everybody. You know, you're starting to see how the friendship started and formed, how Hermione was kind of initially the outcast. And then, you know, by the second one, you know, 
we're starting to see the real friendship between Ron and Harry and they have all these beautiful moments together where, you know, Ron's saving him. Um, you know, they're going towards, they have to go to the train together and get in the Whomping Willow and with the spiders in the forest. Um, just so many scenes. And then in the third one, we get a lot of Harry and Hermione scenes. You know, it's a lot of them together with the time turner and all the things like that. So yeah. it's kind of cool how the, the way that they set that up and we got to see you know, just how much they've grown since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, what's your, uh, what's your least favorite part about this movie? Um, so you actually mentioned it before. Um, I thought the writing of Lucius Malfoy about to murder Harry in the school was kind of like, are we really doing this right now? I thought Lucius Malfoy is this like sneaky, smart man who decides to join with Voldemort because he thinks that this is the smart move and this and that. And he's, very cultured in the dark arts and all this stuff. And I just think that like a smart guy like him wouldn't murder Harry Potter in front of Dumbledore's office in a school and see if he can get away with it. So I don't know if I buy that, uh, bought it, I guess specifically. And I guess the other stuff is just the, uh, you know, the, some of the acting is a little bit meh. Like for instance, I never really bought Ginny Weasley in the series. She's kind of the biggest, I don't want to say whiff because she's fine, but she's the least successful child actor that they cast yeah and i was gonna say like i agree that she's fine like she does a serviceable job but i think in this movie like she's given a bigger part and i don't really buy her acting so much i feel like they could have went with somebody who was just a, a stronger child actor yeah um but other than that those are kind of my least favorites and again i'm not going to look at this as like now i'm looking back at the movie uh, in the scope of things i really wanted to look at this movie as an individual film and see what was wrong with it um but when you're really watching it just for the film alone, it's not a bad film by any means. Right. Um, it's just amongst the others. It's just, it's a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I kind of look at it both ways. Like we can, we can talk about this movie on its own, but I think you do have to talk about it where it fits in the series as a whole. It's sequel month. It's a series. We, we you get to address it. <laughs> so I think this is where even this early, this is where you start seeing little, little cracks little cracks in in jk rowling's writing and storytelling and you know maybe even her politics which obviously now are like raging fucking dumpster fires Mm -hmm. so dobby is super annoying Right, that I mean, Derek and I agree on this. I know we get some pushback from a lot of people, a lot of fans of the series. I was was gonna, I was gonna list Dobby as my least favorite thing, but I didn't. But more so (laughs) than more so than Dobby as a character being annoying. Let's look at what Dobby represents as a character. Jar right? Jar Binks. That's what, he, that's what he represents. Well, so he he represents like house elves, right? What what the writing is saying here is all like even going to the books, all your favorite characters in this, except Hermione, in the books only. She doesn't even fucking address it in the movie. Or at least fairly okay with slavery mm-hmm. like at least they like, yeah yeah no it kind of sucks but i guess i just live with it they're slaves like in like dumbledore owns slaves <laughs> yeah it's yeah there's an awkwardness to it for sure but yeah mm-hmm. well do you, do you think and, if, if and you think of one of those house really, walked i was gonna say they don't really address it a lot in the movies 
which yeah. I find there to be a big problem with. Because it's like well, a that's the thing. I was big wondering fucking if one wet of those fart elves... in the middle of the story. Like it just it's one bizarre. The... But I'm wondering if one of those elves walked into Dumbledore's office and was like, "I've had enough." Do you think Dumbledore's going to be like, "Get the fuck back in the kitchen," or is he going to be like, "Go ahead, leave"? I feel like Dumbledore would be like, if you don't want to do this anymore, then go ahead and leave. Well, it's- I think the difference between, you know, Lucius uh, having Dobby as their house elf and the fact that um, Hogwarts is basically run on house elves is that, you know, accommodations. I think that at Hogwarts, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm just saying my assumption would be that, you know, like, yes, technically they, they work there. That's their job. Um but, but they get room and board. They, Technically, by the end of the series, Harry is a slave owner. He, he fucking inherits Creature and owns him. Yeah. Creature also the, wasn't the best. That's the difference, though. Yeah, that's the difference. Like I said, like, you, they, they, the elves definitely get room and board at Hogwarts. And they work. And they do their thing. I don't think that they're held against their will. Not like the way Lucius Malfoy holds right, Dobby. Sure, sure. Like in the context of the story, sure. But she didn't like accidentally stumble onto these fucking house elves. She wrote a race of people, a race of creatures who was okay with being slaves. Yeah, right. that is odd. Well, and also keeping in mind that in the books that, you know, you're right. Hermione is basically the only one that's like, this is wrong. Like, yeah. Because she's not from this world. And you know, it's uh, in her mind, it's up to her that she's going to be the one to save all of them. And at this point, they are all aware that the only thing that they need in order to be quote unquote free is an article of clothing. And so her idea is to knit and leave behind articles of clothing for them to basically free themselves. And the only one who ever takes them is Dobby. So right. it's almost like they're, it's just embedded into their own heads, which is incredibly sad. And I, you're right. I don't know why anybody would write a character or, or a type of whole characters like that, but yeah. yeah. And if it was like, ju- you know what, just the evil wizards have it, I'd be like, okay, it kind of like, right. fine. It's just like, it's part of the society. Like all the shitty people have slaves. The fact that there's like, and also Hogwarts. They're very powerful too. Yeah. That's the crazy part that like you, you, we see it later on in the films that Dobby literally was able to uh, possess a, a very powerful witch's wand. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it, w- without a wand himself, like that's how do you do that? And then right. you're also c- technically a slave. Right. Like, that's insane. Uh, the other thing is this, this does, this movie does definitely in this story, not just the movie, the book as well. It does start that habit that J.K. Rowling has of writing something, it not quite making sense within the context of a larger story, and then her having to go back and be like, actually, it was this. So, like... Yeah. She, well, yeah, and she, she has a tendency to write herself into corners a lot yeah. in the series. So, so in this, she's just like, oh, yeah, no, the diary was a horcrux. What, what? Like, no, that doesn't... And to the point where it's like, the other thing is like Harry gets stabbed by the, you know, gets bit by the basilisk. We know basilisk venom destroys horcruxes, but Harry's still a horcrux in the, in the, in the final movie. That's a huge hole. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a giant hole, but yeah, like stuff like that, where she's like, uh, you know what, let's just go back. It's a similar, she goes back and like, you know, she says, Oh yeah, Dumbledore, he was gay the whole time. And it's like, sure, but it doesn't really, 
it's it's just bizarre. It's like it's a habit. She's like, I'm just go back and you know, it's 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 very George Lucasy. Like he go, you know, we're talking Empire next week. You know, he just he couldn't stop before he sold it, just going back and tinkering. Uh, yeah, when, I, and again, when you're writing something in that scope, it's so hard to keep yourself squeaky clean. We we mm-hmm. we, you know, I, I know we've all found holes in Game of Thrones. We found holes in Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of things that like when you're writing something of the scope, you're gonna fuck up. But J.K. Rowling, I feel like you're right. She she goes back a lot, and she's like, "Well, actually, this," and it's like, "Oh, okay." Now you well, thought about when it you haven't, ori- but that's the thing when you haven't originally thought of it. You know what I mean? And you didn't even realize this was something that would come up. You do have to do that. You kind of have to be like, "All right, well, let me create right, a solution." But, but I feel like you should be thinking about that way ahead of time before you even write a fucking page. You should be sure, like, well, before I like write this, I shouldn't write myself into a corner because that's. But you be... also have to. But you have to think you're creating an entire world. Okay, I get it. So but when you're you, not when just you're creating that, you, a group of. You need to figure that out though, because the time turner shit in the third movie, like it's a huge hole. Like okay, there's well, so we'll many. Try, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to. She, it. We're still on she, she wrote an entire play to fucking like figure out the time turner deal. Like, yeah, that that's that. I mean, the time turner thing is like. It, it's to me that one's similar to like the Eagles, where it's like, why don't they just yeah. do this? And it's like, well, like right. we know from every single time ter- time travel story of all time, going back in time has consequences. Um, and you know what? I, I think that as far as the slave stuff goes, like, you know, I'm not saying that J.K. Rowling like craves controversy, but I kind of like the inclusion of that in in in, in the story. Um, I think, I think it, it just there's... makes it a little bit a little bit more edgy. You know, not I just think there's, story. I think there's a lot. I think J.K. Rowling, from what I've seen of how she, I don't, don't want to say how she operates, but like from what I've seen of her, I think she tends to be like, "This is the idea," and then when she gets some pushback on it, she's like, "Either oh my god, we have to correct this immediately, and we have to write an entire play, or she fucking triples down on it." You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this fucking like heinous, like, like anti-trans stuff that she's on and on about. It's like, right. let me explain to you why that like people are pretty much like, let's explain why this is shitty. And like, let's fucking try to meet this with compassion. Like she writes about in her books. And mm-hmm. then she's like, no, fuck you. You're, you're not a woman. And it's like, okay. Yeah, that is. Well, I know I've seen a lot of uh, people of of the LGBTQ plus community and how like devastated they are as huge fans of this franchise. And they're like, it's really sad that, you know, something that I care so deeply about feels as though they don't really care about me. But, you know, I'm not going to let that, you know, take away what I take away from this. So it's a a slippery slope for somebody in the limelight to share the political views. It's like you're going to you're going to lose a lot of fans. Absolutely. Well, and that's the so, thing. And so they, I think what the object is now uh, is just to take away the things that you want to take away from it and leave behind the things that are yeah. you know, harmful. And that's, and right. that's kind of tough to, it's kind of tough to do uh, a lot of times, For but sure. I, sure. I think this is where, this is just where you start seeing the littlest of cracks. Just like when you think about yeah. it, when you apply pressure to it, you're like, Hmm. I don't know if this makes, I don't know if this works. Right. Um, so let's go to metals because we are, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be a long one. Uh, <laughs> right. So let's go to metals. Uh, Gia, who is your bronze medal winner? 
Uh, my bronze medal winner was actually, uh, I'm going to say the Malfoys. I'm going to say both Draco and uh, Lucius because this is where we kind of first start seeing Draco just a little bit more dimensional than what we originally saw him. And then I just, Lucius, like, granted, yes, there's things that, you know, I wasn't necessarily happy with the turn, like, like you said, to literally kill Harry in the middle of the school, but his character himself is just so memorable. Like, I think he did a great job in this role, for sure. So he's my bronze. All right. Derek? Yep, my bronze is Jason Isaacs. I think that he brought something to the story that wasn't quite there yet. And I think that, I mean, the story just really started, but I, um, you know, when you don't have Voldemort quite there yet, and it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings thing, like Sauron is not visible. Yeah, He's just this like spirit that's like, if things are dark because he's there in the air somewhere. They, with no Voldemort, it's like, who's the real villain here? You there, could yeah, have there, are no, characters. there aren't really any villains in the story at this point. Right. Uh, so Lucius comes in and he he's just kind of like, okay, he's an evil motherfucker. You yeah. know what I mean? That he's good to have around because you know that Draco is not just a, a piece of shit the way he acts to Harry, but like his family is definitely evil. Yeah. In some way. And so I think that it was important for him to come in. And I like the casting choice. You see Isaac, he's like, he just has something about him that he's um I don't know. He's just he's I think he might be typecast as like just playing that like villainous guy, but I, he does a I, great job here. And it was yep. I, I will say uh, Lucius Malfoy was the character I had like maybe the most difficulty in ca- in recasting. Mm. Okay, I it was, it was actually probably the easiest for me. There's one actor right away that I thought of. Um, well, you know, but... my my rules are no British actors. Okay, oh. for Harry Potter, so I right. like that. There are probably a bunch of British actors I could see doing it, but not right. not in my recast. Um, okay. And then one one thing too is really cool, and I'm I'm gonna ruin all my miscellaneous, but it was Jason Isaac's idea to have long flowing white hair, um, because he does it in the books apparently, and so um, it was his idea to also have a cane. So he just he built the character too in the yeah. movies, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of reminds me of kind of like Sean Bean's Baromir of like in the books he wasn't really a great character, but in the movie Sean Bean is gonna like mold this character. Same thing with Jason Isaacs; he's my bronze. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bronze medal goes to Chris Columbus because he, this is definitely a Chris Columbus movie. Like you can very much when, when you go to the next movies in the series and he's not there, they have a radically different tone yep. and it's part of that's the story, but part of it's just how he creates these movies. And, and rightly so he shouldn't have been anywhere near the third one. Cause the third one's not home alone. No, you know it's a different vibe, and I'm glad that they went a different direction. It would have been interesting to see what he would have done because he doesn't necessarily like the 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 series takes a big step forward into like you know adolescence from childhood, and he's not mm-hmm. really known for that sort of thing. But uh, Gia, what's your uh, who's your who's your silver medal winner? Uh, my silver went to uh, Mr. Rupert Grant as Ron Weasley. I Like I kind of mentioned earlier about how I kind of felt like this was his film to shine at this point because, you know, we got to see a lot of, you know, him and his family and um, his fun quirks and, you know, uh, his emotions, his fears. And I think he really did a, a great job displaying that in this film for someone being of what, like 13, 14 years old at the time. 
I think he did a great job. Right. Was he that old? 13, 14, really? I thought, it, I thought he was like still like 12 or 11. He was older than the other kids, if I remember correctly from that. By like a year, yeah. Special, yeah. Okay. He was like a year older than me. And so that's kind of how I looked at it at, at the time. And of course, like being that age and watching these films at the time, like I remember I was like sandwiched between ages of like Daniel Radcliffe is like a little, little older than me. Uh, Rupert Grint's like a little older than him and I'm a little older than Emma Watson so I was like I'm like just like them I'm their friends we're all the same <laughs> yeah and Rupert Grint's voice totally starts to change in this movie it's like very apparent <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Derek who is your silver medal winner uh, I said it before and I'll say it again I really enjoyed Kenneth Branagh in this movie and I think a lot of the reason has to do with the fact that I don't see him in a lot of movies because he's always he's I think he's kind of a picky actor as well. But, you know, we're going to be talking about another movie he's in that I absolutely love him in. And that's Wild Wild West. Like, I think that despite the movie, not wicked wild, wicked wild, wicked, wicked, wild. But like it's it's not, you know, he's he plays his characters well, I think. And I think that uh, he's a pleasure to watch. And I think I, I think he was funny and I think he was uh, I think he was right for the role. So that's just my opinion. He gets my silver. Yeah, so my silver is a three-way tie between our, our three uh, three main characters here. Um, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe. They come in, they do what they need to do, and like, you know, we've, now this is three weeks in a row where it's like, or, you know, almost three weeks in a row where it's just like miraculous casting, you know, that we've talked about movies where it's like, if one of these three didn't work, the whole series doesn't work. Right, and, agreed. You know, even even in their, you know, kind of awkward ages, like we talked about, it's it's still it's still fine. It's still it's still good, right? Um, so, Gia, gold medal. Wait, before, before we get to it, yep. is this is this unanimous? No, no, it's not unanimous. No. Oh, no. okay. Gia, who's your gold? Daniel Radcliffe. I thought you know, as Harry, uh, like this was. You know, obviously in the first one, he did a a great job kind of like introducing the character as a little boy and him not really being that, you know, well-versed in being an actor at that point. But at this point, like he's got a little bit more of an attitude. He's standing up for himself. He's fighting back. He's showing his bravery. He's basically emulating all the aspects of a Gryffindor from start to finish. Um, I love the sassiness he gave back to the Dursleys at the very beginning. And like, I'll just pretend I'm up here pretending I don't exist. Like sarcastic. You know, I thought he did a great job. Excellent. Derek, who's your gold? I mean, I thought it was obvious. I guess I'm wrong. Uh, John Williams. So Um, I did have him as gold until I found some stuff in my research. Well, I, you know, this, this, despite what you found, I, I just, I hear he's, he is the first few movies for me. Sure. I think, I think if you don't have that, that score, you don't have the same movies. Bottom line. I don't know how much more I could say about it, but John Williams is the greatest composer in film history. And oh, I agree with that for sure. Oh yeah. It's just, he, he, for me, without that music, if there's different music in the movie. It's just not the same. They're not the same films. Sure. So for me, John Williams takes the cake. But what did, yeah. what did you find out? Well, basically, he did not submit a completed score. Somebody had to step in and complete the score for him. Um, okay. just, just due to him being like busy. And like what he yep. did, obviously, it sounds like John Williams. They used like other tracks that he had done that it's not 100% original to the movie. 
mm-hmm. uh, as well. So just for that, like, obviously, like, his themes are incredible in this. But the fact that he, like, didn't, like, he couldn't 100% be responsible for the music kind of took him out of the medals for me. Uh, well, it's weird because in on IMDb, they only show him as the composer I th- for the score. So I wonder yeah. why they didn't mention the other dude. They, it's in the trivia. Like, it, there's a ton of fucking trivia for this movie. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, like, you can go back and be like, oh, this is not, like, oh, okay. Because, again, I had him as gold, and when I was doing my research, I was like, oh, yeah, he can't, if he didn't finish the score, like, that's kind of, like, step one. Mm-hmm. And not right. not that he was, like, slacking or anything, it was just other commitments they could get out of. Um, well, at the same time, you can could, you could argue that, like, the, the, the second, the second, the person who came in to finish it was just literally just finishing up John Williams' score sure. and not doing his own sure. thing. So, like, that's a, that's it, all, it, all, well. it all stems from Williams' brain. Yeah. So, it my been goal... a different film if it were Danny Elfman. Oh, my God. Have you seen Sorry. Danny Elfman recently? Yeah. Have I seen Jacked. He is ripped. He's, I, I can't imagine a conversation between him and Tim Burton that doesn't end with him shoving Tim Burton into a locker. <laughs> It's kind of it's weird in the way that Carrot Top is Jack. Like they shouldn't be. <laughs> also, Elfman's sixty-eight and he looks like that. Hey, good for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, it's weird. You know who he's married to, right? I am the first memory. Yeah. Ready for this, Bridget Fonda. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Bridget Considering Fonda, what, like, what the yeah. fuck happened to her? Holy shit! Just, hey, just, you know, just counting her symptoms, the money. Life is difficult. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, anyway. Yeah, my number one is, uh, or my gold rather, is your bronze medal winner. That is Jason Isaacs. Uh, yeah. He fucking loves being evil in this movie so much. Like he, there's not a scene that goes by where he's just not enjoying his evilness so much. It's he, He's 100% invested into this role. Yeah. He he knew the exact energy to bring to this part, and like the yep. way they even shoot him, like he's always in shadow, like except his eyes. It's like the, the lighting almost doesn't make sense with other people in the room, but it's like oh, it makes total sense because he's just so fucking right. sinister and such a dick yep. from every, for every frame he's in in the movie. Uh, Jason Isaacs is my gold. So let's go to recasting now to refresh the memories of our listeners and our co-hosts. I'm going to just quickly go over the parts that we recast in our Sorcerer's Stone episode. Yep. So Derek, you had Robert Carlyle as Filch, Andy Serkis as Hagrid, Kate Blanchett as McGonagall, Adam Driver as Snape, and Jared Harris as Dumbledore. Are you sticking with all those? Absolutely. Okay. I'm sticking with all mine as well. I think I had H. John Benjamin as the Sorting Hat, Seth Rogen as Hagrid, Meryl Streep as McGonagall, Adam Driver as Snape as well, and Tom Hanks as Dumbledore. Mine are all North American actors, all non-Brits. So I, 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 I uh, reserve the right to use European later, just not British, not Irish, not Scottish, not Welsh. Okay. Uh, so that leaves me with four characters I recast. I did Lockhart, I did Lucius Malfoy, and I did Arthur and Molly Weasley. So I didn't do Molly. I did Tom Riddle. Okay. So same ones as you, just those four. I know Gia has a lot more. She Gia, wasn't yeah, part well, of the Gia, first you, one. Yeah. So Gia, I did, but there's also a few I didn't do that you guys mentioned, but these are the ones I did. I did um, Snape, Dumbledore, McGonagall, Hagrid, Lockhart, 
Lucius, Arthur, and Professor Sprout. So run through the ones that we don't have. Okay. So I did Professor Sprout, and this is actually Ooh, one. Oh, oh yeah, Professor Sprout. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry again. <laughs> this is someone who technically has already been in, I think, only one of the movies before, but as a different character. And she was actually recasted as this random part. Uh, and she was in the third one as um, the fat lady, the door that okay. uh, when, uh, and it's John French. Um, and then, so I did Snape, which I did uh, Rufus Sewell. I thought okay, his yep. darkness excellent. could definitely be. Yep. Excellent, 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 excellent. I love him. Thank you, thank you. Um, Dumbledore, I chose Charles Dance. Interesting. Oh boy. Interesting. Oh boy. I think that he could bring the power of Dumbledore, but I also feel like there's a soft side of him that we didn't obviously see at all in Game of Thrones, but I know is there in his acting, and I want to see it. He's like, Gryffindor, you will have a hundred points. <laughs> it's oh. like, Jesus, Albus, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> there are some um, last have- minute points to give out. <laughs> yeah. You were not on trial for points. <laughs> I actually have the same McGonagall as Derek as Kate Blanchett because I just she's just the best. I just I love her and I, I, I want to hear her voice all the time. Um, for Hagrid, I chose Mark Addy. Yeah. So we got some nice. uh, Baratheon action in there. Um, can, we, for... can, we that, can we all agree that if Robin Williams was still alive, he would be Hagrid? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, and then I think the last ones we all had, so I can wait. Okay, so Derek, you had one different for me, and that was, remind me. Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle. Who do you have for Tom Riddle? Barry Keoghan. Barry Keoghan, yes. Um, he, he I saw is... recently you posted on Facebook of Killing of a Sacred Deer. Killing of a Sacred Deer, he was okay. fucking tremendous in that. And he looks like a kid, even though he's in his 20s. So I could totally see him be, being that creepy Tom Riddle, um, yeah. And I, I, I totally buy it. And I think, I think in a couple of years he's going to be one of the names that everybody knows. Every time that actor shows up in anything, something crazy happens, like so, something <laughs> ridiculous. Like his character just brings chaos every time, and that's why. Uh, spoilers, guys. Yeah. Spoilers. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen. Uh, if you haven't been in the movies recently, uh, just skip the next 30 seconds. That's why he's perfect as the Joker and mm-hmm. why I would have recast him as the Joker in our Dark Knight episode. <laughs> and right. uh, they took that from me. All right. So so uh, Molly Weasley, I, I think is. Yeah. The, or did you, did you have a Tom Riddle, Gia? Nope, I did not. Okay. So do you have a, do you have a Molly Weasley? I do not. <laughs> okay. So I am actually torn right now i've not made my decision on who this is going to be because molly weasley there are two sides to the character you know what i just thought of one so i can add afterwards okay. sorry go ahead okay. so there are two sides of the character one is the loving mother and one is like the mama bear protector right and i have two actresses who can do both but lean more towards one so i'm gonna i'm gonna say both and then let's have a discussion about maybe who we prefer. So I have either Francis McDormand Ooh. or Laurie Metcalf. I got to look up Laurie Metcalf real Laurie. quick. I know, the, I know the name. 
Yes, she was most famously Aunt Becky and Roseanne. Oh, okay. 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 I, I, I want to say that Frances McDormand, I feel like can do both. She has the warmth and the, I, I just, I see her more in the role than Laurie Metcalf. So I had, I had funny. one. I so think I, did, I see Laurie Metcalf more. That's the same. Each, each actress leans to it. I had another actress who I did again, Jen is the Harry Potter expert in the house. I ran it by her and she had a very negative reaction to this choice. But I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm not going with her. It's, I think it's one of the other two. Uh, Edie Falco. No. Maybe not. No, okay. I don't think so. No. Okay, so she's out again. Not going with yeah. her. So either Francis McDormand or Laurie Metcalf. We get it. We get yeah, to choose. We get to choose flip one. a coin. You can go either way. I, I see. It I, sounds I like Francis for me and Laurie for her. Yeah, what kind of tie? I'm gonna. So, you know, I think Francis McDormand was my first my gut reaction. So I'm, okay. I'm going with Francis McDormand. All right. So let's move on. I have Arthur, Lucius, and Lockhart. Where do we want to go? Oh, uh, Gia, you had a you thought of Molly Weasley. I thought of a Molly, yeah, okay, and only because I feel like it would also fit with my Arthur. So okay. if we want, I I can say my Molly and then go into Arthur, and we can all go okay. around with our Arthur. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it works. So the Molly I just thought of, and she has definitely been a redhead before, so she can definitely be redhead again. Um. And I think she's now at that kind of tender age where she'd be like, just like the perfect, like mama bear mom. Uh, and that's Kate Winslet. Okay. Interesting. She sees, she still seems kind of young to me to play the role, but. She's I mean, actually I not, think... she's actually probably right around the same age as the actress. Who right. Like, but she just, she, she does. Carries herself younger yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so my Arthur that I had was Simon Peck. Okay, I like that. I, yeah. that's the, I, I think them together too would go well. Yeah, I think okay. that could work. I could definitely see Kate Winslet being like, "Don't touch my daughter, you bitch." I yeah. could see that. So, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely later Molly too. So, and super my sweet, Arthur, super. Yeah, my Arthur is complete departure from that whole like very innocent father. Um, but I had two, and I think you guys will like one more than the other. Um, the one that you guys probably won't like as much, and I will defend this. It's very, it's going to be strange, so keep okay. keep an open mind. But Sean Bean, I don't see. And it. the reason why the reason why I pick Sean Bean is because his Ned Stark is some of the best moments of his performance are when he's a father figure to Arya, and the warmth he brings to the role, and when he laughs, he kind of brightens up the room. He, Sean Bean is. A very versatile actor and he does a, a lot of different things mostly plays a villain but i thought that this would bring kind of a, a he, i think he would bring a nice warmth to the character as well i will say that maybe in the later movies it won't work as well but i thought maybe in this movie it would but the other one that i think you guys will like is and i oh god i can't think of his name right now because it just came to me um he's the one who plays the father and charlie on the chocolate factory he's also plays Locke in game of thrones he's like almost famous as the band manager yeah, oh no, no, Lock and Game of Thrones. Lock and Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Um, yep. um something Taylor, I think. He's he's the Noah band Taylor. manager. Noah Taylor. Noah, Noah Taylor would be would probably be my my real choice. I can see that. Um, it's yeah, I think they need to have at least some kind of like goofiness to them a little. But I think that I think a lot of actors in Hollywood, like you're an actor, of course you can play goofy. 
Oh yeah, no, of course, like, of course. Of so course. that's why, like you know, and, and I also I also wanted to have Sean Bean in every major uh, fantasy series in the world. So <laughs> putting him in Harry Potter would work. <laughs> Just gotta get him in Star Wars too, and it would be full. full I mean, I can't use him, but would he would he work as uh, as serious? Maybe. 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 He's again, again, I'm just saying, like, stop yeah. thinking about the Sean being the you. He's he does a lot. I know, of I know. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is another one. So I, I did land on one. I brought it to to I brought one to Jen and she had another very, very negative reaction to an actor, but I, I, I had another one that <laughs> I, I like a lot. I love the negative reaction. She, she had a very she was like, absolutely not, this person's not in. So the one that I did she, end up going with for Arthur Weasley is John C. Riley. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. The one that uh, I yeah. that she had a bad reaction to was John Carroll Lynch. Who is that again? Refresh your memory, who is that? So, he... Now, the reason, and I understand why you might have it, but he's probably most famous recently. He's been in seasons of American Horror Story, but he also played... Um, like Drew Carey's cross-dressing brother in the Drew Carey show. He was in Fargo with Francis McDormand as the very kind of like warm character. But if you, if you Google him, he does kind of have that look of like, he was in Zodiac. He was the one that they felt was the Zodiac killer at the end of it. What's his name again? John Carroll Lynch. Gotcha. Oh, 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 oh. I feel like I know him, yeah. What he kind of looks like, um, Paul Hammond. Paul Hammond. He's the same hairline, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Paul Heyman as Arthur Weasley. <laughs> Allow funny. me, sir. Barack <laughs> Voldemort. Lord Voldemort. <laughs> no, you know what? He He's Wormtail. He's Paul Heyman as Wormtail. I can see that yeah. for sure. <laughs> Serious. He's like. I'm just an advocate for Voldemort. No, no, please, please, no, no. <laughs> I'm just an advocate for Voldemort. So we're gonna go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Lockhart next. Okay. Gia, who do you have for? Okay. Who do you have for Lockhart? So it took me a minute to think about it, but I think I've settled on you and McGregor. Oh, you motherfucker! I chose the same one. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, well, because they look, because it's because they look alike. I could, yeah, I could see that. And he's uh, like a younger. Yes, <laughs> yes. Dick, for sure. Oh, par- I think, yeah, that's so funny. I was excited. I'm like, oh, you're going to love mine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my Lockhart is hot. I have a hot Lockhart. Okay. Every, right. every girl and every woman is going to have a crush on Lockhart. And this actor can also play very buffoonish and has done in the past. Channing Tatum. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think, I think you're right. You give him like goofy long hair and like make him look outrageously handsome. I think he nails it. Yeah, yeah, I could just that. based based on the roles like like Twenty One Jump Street and like him, seeing him in the Hateful Eight, like absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really wish he played Gambit. Whatever happened with that? Uh, well, I mean, Disney bought Fox and it kind of fell apart. But uh, motherfuckers. Well, it's going to be all new X-Men. So, I mean, he could still play the character eventually, but who knows when they're going to bring that character in. It could be a decade we're, from now. We're, we're, getting in, we're getting into the best one that I've done. So I'm excited. Okay. Lucius Malfoy. I'm so I'm going to say, 
I had one coming into this episode that I was not confident about. I didn't like it. And I just, I, one came to me just now where I was, I, I put him down. So who's the one that you, you got rid of? The one I got rid of was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't see Evil it. in a different way. I was like, I just couldn't think. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So I was thinking, I was like, who can be. I mean, Americans suck, huh? British have a little with the Americans. It's just so easy mm-hmm. to pick British people. Well, I was like, who do I, who do I see? who is just like, I look at him and I was like, this guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> Every time I see him, like, this guy sucks. <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine you're, I don't know. You're I'll being, be honest with you. I don't, and I, I hate to say this, like, I know he did great as, as like, you know, the, the vampire, but beyond that, I, I don't think he has the range, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, he's he's done some stuff. Have you seen um, Edge of Tomorrow? No, I, I honestly so I have a still have to see Tom, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, I, the only Tom Cruise movie I've seen in the last twenty five years is probably uh, uh, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> like that's it. So how can you like, you're like he doesn't have the range? I, know, I haven't seen a movie of his because in the last all, he does, years. all he does is fucking action movies. So I just avoid them. <laughs> oh boy! But, <laughs> like a, a couple of all right, Tom Cruise. So. Well, I'll, I'll jump to mine. I think mine, and again, I use British actors, so my mine's absolutely 100% fucking perfect. Lee Pace. <laughs> I'm sorry? Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can see that for sure. Give me a fu- like, I've gotten like, those two actors confused before. So yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Like three, just picture him as three Endowell in the, in the Hobbit movies and yeah. fucking Ronan and Guardians. He, he's fucking, he's fucking loose. So yeah, I feel like Lee Pace and... Uh, Jason Isaacs, I very much the way people have like problems with Amy Adams and Bryce Dallas Howard, like that's me with them, like especially yep. when they have long hair of like I just confuse them. Uh, so Gia, who is your Lucius Malfoy? I chose someone that we've seen be a little evil already, and I can totally see him as this part, um, and that's Tom Hilton. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I did see him. I can see him like. I saw that. I saw that name. I actually considered him for Lockhart, but I was like, "Oh no, he's British. I can't do that." Right. Uh, Right. I know. I thought of him as Lockhart too, and I had the two, and I was like, "Yeah, I can see you and being more of the Lockhart than Hiddleston, and Hiddleston being more evil for sure." Right. All right. So, uh, does anyone have anything for miscellaneous? Uh, I think um, I probably used all of my miscellaneous already just in, in, in regular talk, but I, I, I guess the two things that I haven't mentioned is that apparently Eddie Redmayne was up for Tom Riddle. Didn't get the part, yeah. and funny enough, he played Newt's Commander, so he ended up getting in the series one way or another. And then the last thing I have to say is the, probably the greatest spell in all the movies is in this movie, and that's Sherbert Lemon. <laughs> or maybe that's not a, maybe it's not a spell, I don't know. McGonagall it's says an, it. It's, it's an incantation. Funny. Yeah. Sherbert Lemon. Here's, here's, okay. Why are they teaching children how to turn sentient animals into cups? I know. <laughs> At what point is that skill going to become useful to them? That, that, to and, them, that's well, like it's algebra. Not, it's, I'm, like, I'm like, when is algebra going to be used in the future? That's the same thing for them. Like, what am I ever going to change an animal and, into a cup? I and don't like think that, it's that's it's beyond that it's not just turning something into a cup it's just transfiguring that, that's, that's the whole fine point. that's fine but like at what point would you 
need to transfigure a living creature into an inanimate object. <laughs> it's true. When, I don't know what case that would be. Time is right. <laughs> unless, unless you can you turn it back. Know. If your dog, your dog is being too loud, turning into a cup for a few minutes. You know? <laughs> and <laughs> let's not. They don't have dogs. They just have owls and rats and cats. Um, true. And so. Dogs. Frogs, my yeah. owl will not shut the fuck up. Speaking of which, fucking goblet. That that rat is a man. That man was turned into a cup. He has to live with that. That he was a cup. Right. For a minute. Right. You know, he deserves it. Well, he he was a snake from the very beginning. So. No wonder he's fucked up. They turned yeah. him into a cup. He was fucked up before he was a cup. Um, yeah, but he's like even more. Sick I think now. I. Yeah, yeah, he definitely take, he took a turn after the cup incident. <laughs> the man lived been, as a rat for like 15 been, years. He would have been very reasonable if he comes out of rat form and he's like, okay, like, guys, let's talk about this. Like, I understand, like, you're upset. I had to save my own life. Like, it's, 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 it's terrible. I really regret it. But the fact that he was a cup for 30 seconds, like, has just ruined him. <laughs> he's like, you don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, like, you just go through your life and then suddenly you're an inanimate object for like a minute. And you're like, what? <laughs> like what? Serious black, serious black pisses him off. He keeps going, Peter Cuppagrew. <laughs> and he's like, shut up, serious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have um, some possible uh, alternate castings that they uh, they did go through uh, for this movie. So I guess for Lockhart, um, I guess Hugh Grant had it and then couldn't do it for some reason. Uh, that. Yeah, they also considered, uh, or at least people who auditioned, were Alan Cumming and Rupert Everett. Oh, I like I like Alan Cumming. Is Alan Cumming yeah. somebody who like Molly Weasley is going to be like? He's so attractive. I or, think or, like, or Hermione is going to be like, I have such a crush on Alan Cumming. <laughs> well, okay, so stop so thinking about him as Boris Grishenko and Nightcrawler. You know what I mean? Like he's a handsome guy. <laughs> In Goldeneye, you mean? What do you mean? You said as Boris Grisenko in gold as oh I guess and no, no, Nightcrawler. I, okay, okay. No, no, no. I said no. I said stop thinking about him as Boris Grisenko in Nightcrawler. Think about him like when the way he regularly looks. His hair is always kind of like longish. He has a handsome face. You know, I think he could pull it off. Well, I think I think they they kind of made the right choice and not going in that direction. But that's just me. And then uh, for Lucius Malfoy, two other people who considered were Richard E. Grant and Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. I could, I could Nye, see, yeah. I could, I could see it. I think Bill Nye's accent is almost like so unique that it's. I know. Uh, I just, I just hear uh, what's the what's the character he was in Pirates of the Caribbean? David Jones. Jones. David, yeah, David Jones. Uh, what that's about, just what, what I hear. Two, what about what about two thousand two Johnny Depp as Lockhart? No. He's got he's got the look for it, but again, in this they were only doing they were only casting British people. That's why I don't. What's it I mean? But like strike, striking strikingly handsome back in two thousand two, like yeah. totally totally plays goofy characters all the time. Like that's yeah. like a you know. I I think that would have worked, but he. I mean, I guess he. You know, I was I was I was wondering this. Like, I wonder when the the philosophy changed as like we're only casting British people as British characters. Right, and then in this, they were like, "All right, Grindelwald, Johnny Depp." Right. It, yeah, all right. Yeah, and, Johnny yeah. Depp. Well, he he's been doing British accents for so long; he's basically British, right? Yeah, and I guess Grindelwald's not a British character. I guess he's like, 
Is he American? He's, he's no, he's just like European. Like he's just vaguely okay. European. That's why I'm he's really like, well, exciting yeah. for the new one. Matt Mads Mickelson, yeah. 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 All right. So Derek, what are we uh, what are we eating with this movie? Uh probably slugs, so we can vomit them up slugs. later. Slugs. Like yeah that that that's probably the worst scene in the movie as far as like cringeworthy because i don't want to watch ron weasley vomiting up slugs I but don't um, anyone vomit up slugs to be honest. i guess Everybody if we're gonna knows. if we're gonna if we're gonna eat we're gonna eat like in the great hall and we're gonna just fucking pig out on everything that appears oh yeah chicken chicken wings cakes fucking roast beef and do you remember that one time cheese. you were watching and like that it was like Halloween and that whole like display showed up and then all of a sudden the kid, the fucking girl grabbed an apple and started eating them like, bitch. There yeah, is, yeah, like, I remember we, we both mentioned that. Chocolate, we, yeah. And she grabbed an apple. She grabs an apple. It's like, come on, It wasn't kid. even a candied apple. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, candied apples whole, are good. Give me a caramel apple. There's a whole right? honey <laughs> roasted, there was a whole honey roasted hen in front of her with Maybe mashed potatoes. potatoes. And she was like, I want the apple. Maybe she's vegetarian. No, I don't buy it. Not in that world. Why not? <laughs> no, this is a vegetarian. You can tell this is not an American. That's, that. that's, that's how you can tell it was an American film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll quickly go over the uh, the Oscars here. This is a, this is a, a year that we've uh, we've covered a couple times before. Uh, Best picture is won by Chicago, uh, but the other nominees are uh, the Hours, the Pianist. Gangs of New York and the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Uh, I think Derek, you and I disagreed where uh, I think I had Lord of the Rings as best picture and you had Gangs of New York, mm-hmm. if I'm recalling correctly. I mean, it's, it, I'm still on the line, like two towers and Gangs of New York. I, they're just like two of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. It's like picking your children. It's like picking your children. So <laughs> I don't know. Office choice. So I think we all agree this movie does not uh, register. No, doesn't make movie. a list for okay. me. Right? Uh, best director, uh, Roman Polanski wins. Uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, Rob Marshall mm-hmm. for the uh, nominated for Chicago, Scorsese for Gangs of New York, Stephen Daldry for The Hours, and P- Pedro uh, Almodovar for Talk to Her. But I do believe we replaced Stephen Daldry with Peter Jackson uh, for Lord of the Rings. So, uh, again, I think we were pretty similarly split uh, on who should be the winner there. Yeah. Uh, best Chris actor. Be I mean, is there anybody in here we want to consider for an acting? No category. Nah. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. This is a nice little quick Oscar, uh, uh, Oscar segment there. So now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when we put thirty seconds on the clock. And Derek, you explain to us why Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Nope. Well, I'm sorry to hear. Too, too bad. Too bad. Derek. Too, too bad. Too goddamn bad. Three, two, one, go. Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets, 2002. Chris Columbus. All right. Um, good sequel. You know what can I say? Good. Good sequel. It, it's it's the right pacing. It's the right next step when they're kids. Because let's let's face it. Prisoner of Azkaban is where things really take off. So this is like the end of their like real childhood. They're going to be becoming adults. Acting's good. Story's good. Thumbs up. All right. Fuck you, Ebert. Oh. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, that's uh, that's time. Uh, the Ebert's ghosted- like Ebert's like Ebert's like. What's wrong? I liked it. I'm like I still say fuck you, Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're gonna get Ebert's diary and we're gonna start writing to each other and I'm gonna be like, what do you think of Derek? Ebert's gonna be like thumbs down. This this was completely Ebert's not, diary not, this was not planned. Rick can attest to this, but I think Ebert's becoming my Christo of this show. You agree with him most of the time. <laughs> I agree with him, but I think he's a dickhead. <laughs> didn't he didn't he not like Silence of the Lambs? Like, come on, fuck him. He just thought it was a little too violent for him. Oh, uh, well, I'm Robert Ebert. You know, and it no, really wasn't even. He's that not violent. Robert Ebert. He's Roger Ebert. See, I don't even know his name. That's how much I don't care about. <laughs> Fuck you, Ebert. Siskel uh, had it way over Ebert. Everyone knows that. That's why he was second. It wasn't Ebert and Siskel. I'll tell you that. Fair enough. Um, so that has been now. That's a Sunday. Now that is a, that makes a Sunday. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta squeeze it in. Oh, we didn't even mention the real hero of this episode and this movie, and that's Al Pacino. Oh, of course. He'd made, you know, Pacino, what? Gandalf. Pacino should have played Lockhart. Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, Pacino could have played either one, but I think as Lockhart, he would have been great too. He gets he, he gets the spell backfired and he's just like, wait a minute. Who am I? <laughs> he just goes over and makes out with Molly. Who <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I could, I could, I could see. You know, Pacino was Dumbledore, like Harry. <laughs> Alas, earwax. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Harry! All help will be found by those at Hogwarts. As long as they ask. Now that was that was early two thousand Pacino. Now Pacino will be like Harry. No, <laughs> I think earwax is disgusting. <laughs> He's got that southern drawl now. And then, of course, Marlon Brando being in this movie. I mean, Brando would have been Dumbledore easily. Harry, you just want to make more than one offer. I can't refuse. That's not the line. <laughs> Harry just like has has his like robes like so he can like the lines and just like pull his Brando, robes open. Brando forces Daniel Radcliffe to have his lines all over his cloak so he can read them. These, these children are so unprofessional. <laughs> Much like that you know, son way, of a bitch, Robert De Niro. <laughs> you were way faster, Prime Brando. No, 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 no. Write write my lines in his cloak. <laughs> anyway. Tom Riddle, he was you. You and he have very much many things in common. He calls Tom Riddle Tom Bombadil by accident. <laughs> I'm a big token guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, be careful, Harriet. Tom Bombadil. The ring doesn't affect him. <laughs> Dana Rack was like, "What?" <laughs> oh boy. Later, movies like Cyrus. Make sure when the time comes, you kill me. <laughs> like that son of a bitch Robert De Niro stabbed me right in the back <laughs> by winning an Oscar for a role that I originated. But he's I didn't want to accept it anyway. <laughs> he's like, I'll send a house elf in my stead when I win an Oscar. <laughs> Talk about the plight of the house elves. Yeah, Milo Brando keeps pushing for more slavery on the elves in the movies. <laughs> All right. Oh my god! Well, that's been our episode here. Gia, thank you so much for joining us this week. It was a, it was a, it was a fun time. Thanks for having me. Of course, and uh, let's talk about what we have coming up soon. Uh, next week, 
Sequel month continues with maybe one of the most beloved sequels of all time. And that is The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I was going to say Adam's man. Family Values, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't done The Adam's Family, so it'll be weird to skip to Adam's Family. But, but you know. That's true. It's our show. <laughs> I mean, we it's the better of the two, but whatever. Uh, and then we finish out the original Indiana Jones trilogy with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes. I've lost. So that's two weeks in a row of Julian Glover. That's true. And finally, we got some some Sean Connery in there and some Nazis. I'm, I love when we bring back the Nazis. Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. uh, Everybody's lost but me. And then we finish out sequel month with The Dark Knight. Where is he? The Joker gonna win. These people believe in good. <laughs> Listen, Batman. <laughs> no, Brandon. Marlon, stay out of that. <laughs> stay out of it. Well, so that's what we have coming. <laughs> oh, man. So this guy dresses like a bat. <laughs> uh, so that's what we have coming up on for, for sequel month this month. Can't wait uh, for those episodes. Uh, I do want to thank you so much for listening uh, to our Harry Potter episode today, and we hope you join us coming up soon. I, as always, have been your co-host, the magical wizard guy, Rick Barrasso. And I have always, always ever been your co-host, the Big Dobby Boski. The Big Dob Boski? The Big Dob Boski. <laughs> and again, I want to thank Gia Smith so much for being us today as our special guest. And as always, keep watching, everyone.